Yes, start this let's bitch. start this bitch. Start this bitch. Welcome to Wait, another episode. How old are we? I don't. <laughs> that is a really good fucking question. Are we thirty three? Uh, yeah. Or are we thirty two? Or thirty three? Because I'm gonna be thirty four in September, and you just turned thirty three. Okay. I've been trying to figure out how old I am for the past like day, <laughs> and I didn't want to ask anybody. <laughs> Well, well, honey, let's talk about math. Mm-mm. You were born in 1989. Listen, this has been established <laughs> on this podcast that I don't math. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 131 of I'm Sorry What the Podcast. Why do you always start yours to make them sound like they're going to be an ASMR podcast? I am Amanda. That aggressive woman is Christina. <laughs> We are here to share some more tales of from the crib. True, true, yeah, I loved that show. That was such a good show. Sorry, I keep interrupting your intro. No, it's I don't, I don't give a shit. It's fine. Welcome, guys. Fucks. I don't give a single fuck. <laughs> uh, so anyway, hi guys. Okay. We're here. This is. I'm sorry about the podcast. She already said that, but you know what's up. Christina has to say it or nobody actually hears it. It's true. <laughs> uh hi. What's How up? you doing? I'm fine. How are you? Oh, I'm good. It's finally like decent out, but then it's supposed to snow next week. So it was fourth winter's coming in hot next week. It was 70 degrees on Thursday. Yeah. 42 degrees on Friday. And it poured rain. Yesterday, it felt like it was the middle of October because it was like windy and not rainy, but it was still wet out. So everything mm-hmm. was like, it felt like it was going to rain. Uh-huh. So it's just the whole spectrum of weird weather right now. Yeah. I don't know. Yesterday, it was super nice. It was like mid 60s, a little bit higher. And then today, it's supposed to be even warmer. And then it's supposed to like dip down and then snow on Wednesday. So, and this is our weather podcast. <laughs> Why we're talking about the weather like a couple of old man, men? Welcome to Weather Corner from the Midwest. <laughs> uh, y'all wanted to know, so we're sharing because that's all we. We've get. had a lot of questions about the weather. Just <laughs> that's all we get. It's like, hey, what's the weather like where you are? <laughs> um it's fucked that's what it is it's uh, fucked just like the rest <laughs> of the world okay don't question me yep it's a, i saw a tiktok the other day and it was this this girl and it was that background music of she did, did it, the man mm-hmm. of my dreams and she's that's walking from Encanto. This, yep I, i've seen it now just so you know um but she's walking through the sun and then it like shifts over to ah <laughs> it's it's her waving a bat it's like fourth winter coming in hot. <laughs> it's like pretty much yeah mm-hmm. it's accurate 100 <laughs> oh god we're dumb all right well it's not new any any new exciting news how's your foot are you alive did it fall off yet uh my foot's fine my entire body is rebelling against life and i'm in the middle of it it attacking itself so oh yeah you're having a flare-up i'm having a lot of fun i have to go to the rheumatologist tomorrow because it's all over my face it's in my throat every joint in my body hurts i keep sweating for no reason it's fun 
Are you going through a, a, a premature menopause? <laughs> You've already asked me that like three times. And the answer is no. My body literally is like, you know what? We don't want to work today and you're making us work. So we're just going to torture you with random weird things happening. So we're just going to hurt forever. Forever. You're welcome. Have a good day. <laughs> God. Oh, well, I'm glad your foot's feeling better. <laughs> uh, yeah. So at least there's that. Yeah 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 mm-hmm. yeah do you know when you're you're getting your nose scraped not yet all right oh, all right probably not until your flare up i got a call because they were supposed to call me like and they haven't and i want to know when we're gonna do this shit hello hello oh shit well how, how are you is your better. body is your body all together are you is it uh no but mm-hmm. i just pretend it's fine She's I like a disassembled so. skeleton when I'm I talking to her. You guys don't know it, but like her <laughs> arms aren't connected. And it's kind of weird, but I'm used to it. <laughs> uh, my newest exciting thing is that my ribs have been aching a lot. Um, and I'm not sure why. Are you growing gills? I don't know. Um, it's they've ca- I just act like that's a normal question. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they... they kind of hurt from the time like I had COVID in September Mm -hmm. until now but recently it's been like more and I'm not really like I wake up and it's like radiating it almost feels like it's radiating from my spine so I don't know if it's like a muscle thing or if it's like a spine thing I'm wondering if with like all your coughing and stuff you probably like bruised and like maybe tore some of your muscles in your ribs and then with your working out and stuff you just haven't given them a chance to heal well I see and I haven't after I, I have I started working out regularly like in September Mm -hmm. and so I had like three months of healing time for anything Mm -hmm. um so that's why I was which is why I didn't do it right away because I was just afterwards I was just like I putrefied on the couch Mm because I couldn't move so it took forever for me to even do like normal everyday things but I don't have like a issue with lung capacity so it's not my lungs because at first I was like maybe I have like fluid that built up in my lungs and is needs to be checked Mm -hmm. out or whatever but I still am like fine. I can do all my cardio without problems, but um, I mean, without more problems than normal uh, <laughs> cardio, fuck that shit. Uh, but my ribs just ache. And I, I, I'm pretty sure that I may have fractured one of them when I was coughing mm-hmm. because I had a specific spot that was like, anytime I would sneeze or cough for like three months, almost it took before that would stop. So I don't know if just it's just gonna I'm just gonna hurt the rest of my life I don't fucking know it's it's a good time I'm going to the chiropractor to see if it's just a spine thing next week so we'll see and this has been complaining corner yeah well you know what you're getting to know us fuck you guys if it's a problem because I'm just saying Christina's my best friend and we talk when we record other than like just daily tiktok bullshit so um I snapchat you well, here and there we'll Snapchat, but only when things like pop up that we want to talk about. It's not like just normal keep up with each other type of stuff. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Well, am so I your best friend time. then? Am I really your best friend? Who else would be? I talk to no one else except <laughs> Christopherson. He, Chris he Christopherson. Oh, fuck shit. Damn cock motherfucker. Hi. Whoa. Do you have a story for me? dude are you bipolar because you just went through like seven personalities in like two seconds no i'm just sleepy and because i wake up like 
10 minutes before we record. Dude, I woke up at 8 o'clock. And you're lucky I did because I set my alarm for 6 a.m. So I could work and 8 a.m. So I knew to stop working. And they were both set for weekday alarms. Sunday's not a weekday. Yeah, and I gotta go off. I gotta work tomorrow through Wednesday. So I gotta leave here around 5 and then I'll just be working until Wednesday. And then Chris goes to drill from Thursday to Sunday. So it was kind of our final it's kind of our final day and evening of seeing each other really other than mm-hmm. sleeping for at least a week. Yeah. So it'll be, hopefully it'll get nice out. It looks like a foggy mess out there right now. All right. Pea soup. Pea soup. I'm sorry. We are all over the place. Hello. Well, Hello. I'm all over the place. I don't know about anybody else. Uh, tell me your story and make me stop talking. <laughs> I'm going to tell you about Sharon Kinney, who was born at Sharon Elizabeth Hall. Okay. She's known as the La Pistola, a.k.a. Mm. the gunfighter. And she is mm. a black widow killer. I'm just going to spoil it. You're just really her. just throwing it right out there, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, all right. Just because we're all going to know, like, within a paragraph, because it's obvious. So, she was born... November 30th, 1939 in Independence, Missouri uh, to Eugene and Doris Hall. In the summer of 1956, at age 16, she met 22-year-old college student James Kinney at a church function. The couple dated regularly until James returned to Brigham Young University. Brigham Uh, Young. I'm sorry, it's a Mormon university. Go Mormons. That's it is what it is. Every time Brigham Young Mormons go Mormons. Um, (laughs) Until Sharon reportedly deeply interested in finding a partner with prospects who could take her away from independence, wrote a letter to James informing him that he was she was pregnant. Oh, okay. He took leave from Brigham Young University. Not such a good Mormon, are you, James? Uh, Returned to Independence, (laughs) where he married Sharon on October eighteenth, nineteen fifty six. The couple's marriage license falsely identified Sharon as being 18 and a widow, though she later refused to address the assertions she told people at the time that she had been married when she was living in Washington, which she did when she was like 14 to like 15, um, to a man who later died in a car accident. So, huh, okay. Uh, the new couple held a second more formal wedding the following year at Salt Lake Temple in Salt Lake City, Utah, after Sharon had completed the process of joining the church, joining the Church of Latter-day Saints, so becoming a Mormon. Right. Uh, after their wedding, the Kynes returned to Provo, Utah, and James ret- resumed his studies at Brigham Young, but put them on hold again at the end of the fall semester. So then they returned to Independence Missouri, exactly where Sharon didn't want to be. Right. Uh, both taking jobs, she babysat and tended shops while James worked as an electrical engineer. Um, Sharon claimed to have miscarried the baby that brought about their marriage. Okay. Uh, and then she gave birth to a girl they named Dana in the fall of 1957. So she got pregnant like immediately after. Okay. She was reportedly a lavish spender who expected finer things out of life. Uh, but James's salary was not like 
a ridiculous Con- salary. Conducive so, to that. Right. They lived in a rented home next to his parents' residence, then in a ranch-style house they had built. Uh, he worked the night shift at Bendix, which is like a, um, it was like a engineering firm. And his wife initially filled her days with shopping and later with other men. Oh, good. She sounds great. By the time the couple had had a second child, Troy, Sharon was carrying a regular extramarital affair with a friend from high school, John Baldies. Baldies. Okay. By early 1960, James was contemplating divorce from this beach, uh, partially because of Sharon's spending habits and partially because he suspected her of infidelity, but he right. didn't know for sure. Uh, but his parents spoke to him uh, because they were strongly Mormon. They didn't believe in divorce mm-hmm. um, and kind of convinced him to stay with her. Uh, even though Sharon had agreed to give him an, a divorce, if he allowed her to keep the house, gave her custody of the daughter and paid a thousand dollars in alimony to her. Sharon too was also thinking about ways out of the marriage. She had reportedly asked Boldies to kill her husband for a thousand dollars. Good. Or to find someone who would, although he claimed that she may have been joking. Right. He's like, I mean, she might have just said it. Mm-hmm. So on March 19th at 19, or 1960 at around 5.30-ish p.m., uh, Sharon heard a gunshot from the direction. This is what she claimed. She heard a gunshot from the direction of the bedroom in which James was sleeping. Entering the room, she found their two-and-a-half-year-old daughter, Dana, on the bed next to her father. Dana was holding one of James's guns his high standard 22 target pistol two-year-old mm-hmm. two and a half year old <laughs> barely lift that thing all right james was bleeding from an apparent gunshot wound in the back of his head sharon called the police but james was dead on the, by the time the ambulance arrived uh police were unable to recover any fingerprints from the well-oiled grip of the pistol and a paraffin test for gunshot residue was not done on either dana or sharon Uh, okay multiple people including the family and neighbors told police that james had often allowed dana to play with his guns which is not smart but (laughs) here just go ahead play with it for a little bit what play with the gun there you go uh (laughs) investigating officers gave dana the gun and asked her to show them how she pulled the trigger which she did okay so she was proved to be able to hold the gun and pull the trigger. It's a little toddler's so shirt. Sure, this is a lot. <laughs> with no evidence to the contrary, investigators ruled the case an accidental homicide. <laughs> She's just hanging out on the bed, playing with, with his the gun. gun. Shot oh, my dad in the head. Daddy's dead. <laughs> and then here, hold the gun again and show me how you killed your dad. <laughs> yeah, here, hold it. How do you pull the trigger? She's like, uh, like this. Doesn't mean she did it, but it's like, well, she could. So I guess she's that's all we got. Possible. Sounds good. Let's move on. <laughs> the pistol that killed James was taken into police custody and never returned to Sharon, despite her efforts to reclaim it. Oh. Uh, she later had a male friend secretly buy her a 22 caliber automatic pistol. When the friend told Sharon that he had registered the gun in her name, she regress- requested that he re-register it under a name other than hers. Okay suspicious right that's suspicious that's weird weird. (laughs) with the investigation into his death closed james was buried and sharon collected his life insurance policies which 
was about $29,000, which is about the equivalent of $230,000 today. Okay, nothing to sneeze at. No. On April 18th, 1960, Sharon met Walter T. Jones Jr. when she bought a Ford Thunderbird from his dealership using some of the insurance payout from her husband's death. Okay. The two began an affair shortly thereafter. Sharon viewed Walter as a prospect for a second husband, but there was one problem. Oh, what's that? Walter was married and had been for over five years with two children. Walter! Come on. Despite the fact that he couldn't keep it in his pocket pants, he had no interest in leaving his wife, Patricia. 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 When Walter declined to go on a trip to Washington with her in May, Sharon kind of broke things off and then went with her brother, Eugene. <laughs> You're like, you won't go, go with my brother, Eugene. Uh, although the couple, they reunited on May 25th, shortly after Sharon returned, the relationship was quickly on the rocks, like same day on the rocks, when she told Walter that she was pregnant and he was the father of the baby. Walter. Walter, instead of responding with what Sharon expected to be an agreement to divorce Patricia, ended the affair. The next day, on May 26th, Sharon contacted Patricia at her work. Sharon then claimed that she told her that Walter was having an affair with her sister, with Sharon's sister. Okay. Instead of saying, saying, I'm having an affair with your husband, she said, my sister's having an affair with your husband. Okay. Then agreed to meet with Patricia that evening to discuss the matter further before Sharon said they, so they met, they talked, and then Sharon said that she dropped Patricia off near the Jones house, so near her house. Okay. However... Patricia never made it to the house that evening. Walter filed a missing persons report with police the next day and began calling people he thought might have seen his wife. He got a lead when he spoke to a friend of Patricia who carpooled to work with her. They told Walter that Patricia had reported receiving a phone call that day from an unnamed woman who wanted to meet with her. Uh, She had asked the carpool driver to drop her off at a street corner in Independence, um, which she had done, and the person who dropped her off had seen a woman waiting for Patricia in another car, but did not recognize her. But they did provide a description of the unknown woman to Walter, who suspiciously sounded like Sharon. He's like, that looks familiar. Walter called Sharon and asked if she had seen or spoken to his wife. Uh, Sharon allowed that she had spoke with Patricia that day, met her to tell her about Walter's affair But according to Sharon, the last she saw Patricia was where she had dropped her off near the Jones house. And Patricia had stopped to speak to someone, an unknown man in a green 1957 Ford. Okay. So she's saying, yeah, I saw her, but. She was alive the last time I saw her. She left and was talking to somebody else. So. Right. Okay. So, so Walter agreed to meet up with Sharon um, and he admitted to threatening her. Okay. Like being like where the fuck is my wife i'll hurt you kind of thing right and sharon's response to that was after leaving walter to call baldies and ask him to help her search for patricia okay shortly before midnight within hours of sharon's conversation with walter she and baldies found the body of a woman in a secluded area approximately one mile outside of independence According to Baldige, he had been the one to suggest searching the area in which they encountered the body. It was a spot to which they had often gone on dates before. Okay. 
So a familiar area. The body was identified as the missing Patricia Jones. She had been shot four times by a 22 caliber pistol. Although the fatal wound was a shot to Patricia's head entering near her mouth at an upward trajectory. She also had one through and through bullet wound to her abdomen and two penetrating gunshot wounds to her shoulders on a downward trajectory through her body. So I think she was, she must've been like on her knees then. That's my guess is she's down somehow. Right. Um, Powder burns on the hemline of her skirt, which had been raised to her waist, indicate that the gun had been fired from close range at least once. Initial reports and investigation placed Patricia's time of death at approximately 9 p.m. on May 26th. 9 p.m. Okay, so she was shot while she was down, basically, is what the trajectory is saying. Okay. So... Investigators immediately began to question Sharon, Walter, and Boldies. All three were questioned on May 28th. Walter and Boldies both gave written statements admitting that they had dated Sharon and both agreed to lie detector tests. Sharon gave an oral statement to police but declined to sign a written one or take a lie detector test. She was questioned again on the morning of May 30th and Boldies on May 31st. Uh, the scheduled polygraphs for the two men were performed on June 1st, and both men were deemed to have been truthful in their statements. Sharon's brother, Eugene, was also questioned, but declined to answer those questions. He was just like, nope. Yeah, I'm not going to say anything. Repeated attempts were made to find the murder weapon and the bullet that had passed through Patricia's body, including sifting of dirt at the crime scene for bullets and the deployment of a troop of Boy Scouts to find the gun. We're looking for a murder weapon, kids. <laughs> what kind of badge do they get for that? Also, just think about <laughs> the last case where the little two-year-old showed them how she could shoot the gun. Yeah. <laughs> and now we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> We're enlisting the Boy Scouts. They're our second in command. <laughs> I'm gonna deputize you for the day, little six-year-old Johnny. Roam free in the woods. <laughs> Go, go free. <laughs> so a 22 caliber rifle slug was eventually found buried in the ground where Patricia's body had been found, providing evidence that at least some of her wounds had been sustained at the place her body was found. Okay. Although investigators went so far as to drag the bottom of the nearby bodies of water, the gun that had shot Patricia, assumed to be a 22 caliber pistol, could not be found. Right. Sharon was arrested at her home. For Patricia Jones's murder around 11 p.m. on May 31st, the same night as her funeral, the same day the Jackson County Sheriff requested that prosecutors consider a second charge of murder, this one for the death of James Klein. Or Klein. Okay. <laughs> uh, they were able to rule out the 22 caliber pistol that had killed James as the murder weapon in Patricia's death because that gun was still in the possession of the sheriff's office. However, a man stated the man who bought the gun for Patricia, uh-huh. or Sharon, sorry, um, so many names it's fine Uh, i i understood what you were talking about but the man who bought the gun for sharon came forward and stated that he had purchased a new 22 caliber pistol at her request in the beginning of may they were unable to locate that gun in question when they searched her house they did find an empty box that they believed had once held a gun sharon at first claimed to investigators that she had lost the gun on a trip to washington then stated that the gun had simply disappeared i don't know where it went how do you lose a gun no more that's always what I'm confused about like in any of these stories where they're like oh I just don't know where it went it's like do you just 
willy-nilly set them down places because yeah, like, I feel I like any gun owner that I've met knows exactly where each one of their guns are right so seems suspicious that's weird that's suspicious uh sharon's arraignment on july 11th resulted in the denial of bail uh she was freed though that they said that basically because it was a circumstantial evidence case they couldn't deny her bail so she was freed on a twenty four thousand dollar bail bond on july 18th after delay in her trial date due to her advanced pregnancy she gave birth to a daughter she named marla christine on january 16th 1961 and although charged with both murders she was tried separately for the two crimes so her first trial murder was for patricia jones and it began in mid-june in 1961 with jury selection and the trial commenced about two days after um after the jury selection it was an all-male jury and the prosecution rested its case on june 21st after calling 27 witnesses sharon's defense which took less than two days and involved 14 witnesses other than sharon who would not testify focused on breaking down the state's claims of motive and means arguing that she had no reason to kill patricia and that the pistol she was alleged to have owned had not been proven to be the murder weapon there were also discrepancies with her time of death so there was they had originally actually claimed her time of death they listed it as the day she was found as opposed to like when she actually died so then they had to go back but the stomach contents in her had never been reviewed because there was something with the way they processed her body where it would have made it like they couldn't have done it they did something to process the body before the coroner got it that gotcha um and then the fact that they couldn't find the through and through bullet right um and i think it was because part of her stomach was exposed because there was a gunshot through her abdomen okay um so there was just a lot like i didn't include it because it literally was like a page and a half of like these little weird yeah yeah but basically there was just a lot of inconsistencies with how the body was processed to make it a confirmation as to this is when she actually died um, right because there were some people who said that she had died only a couple of hours before sharon and Boldies had found her and then there were people that or there there was parts that said that she had died the night before right so there was no real confirmation as to when she had actually died right everything uh, it was like said without the actual right evidence of it correct yeah okay so after slightly over one and a half hours of deliberation the jury cited that there were too many loopholes and too many um like discrepancies in the case and they acquitted sharon kinney of or kind i don't know if it's which one it is um immediately after the delivery of the verdict juror um ogden stephens asked sharon for her autograph which she photographed she was photographed giving him that's that's in poor taste Mm -hmm. uh she was returned to the jail the same day to wait the trial for her the murder of her husband okay so she Uh, was acquitted because that was just everything was kind of questionable of this one there was too much circumstantial evidence and not enough physical evidence to right well and circumstantial against the case as well so okay so now it's she's on trial again right so jury selection began on january 8th 1962 
the prosecution case rested largely on their contention that Sharon had been so interested in seeing her husband removed that she had been willing to pay for his murder, which is supported by the testimony of Baldies. However, right. he also stated on stand that she could have been joking. Right. Um, the defense uh, focused on the circumstantial quality of the prosecution's evidence, noting that prior police investigation had determined James' death to be obviously accidental and that the jury was obligated to assume innocence on the defendant's part, no matter how unpleasant they found her moral character to be. The defense, too, attacked the reliability of Baldi's testimony, calling him a poor mixed-up kid who would sign anything. Mm. Uh, the trial ended in conviction on January 11th after five and a half hours of deliberation. In April of the same year, Sharon was formally sentenced to life in prison. She began to serve her sentence in the Missouri Reformatory for Women. Um, later interviews with jurors from the trial revealed that three of four ballots had been taken before the guilt, three or four ballots. So they had done three or four ballots before they had um, come up with guilty verdict was right. Reached. It was, they were super divided and then, then it slowly changed right. everything to guilty. Um. The following week, Sharon's lawyers requested that she be released on bond, supported by a community petition signed by 132 supporters of her innocence. That motion was denied on the basis of first-degree murder not being a bailable offense. It's like, uh, no. <laughs> no, thank you. Um, so this is where it starts to get weird. So okay. uh, another defense motion requested that the conviction be vacated because the jury had delivered its verdict based on surmise and speculation rather than substantial evidence. They listed a series of procedural errors that Sharon's counsel alleged had taken place before and during the trial, including juror talking, taking incomplete notes, disputes over Boldy's testimony, and an incorrect number of potential jurors being provided for selection, which resulted in the conviction being overturned oh okay so now she's not gonna Correct. spend life so sharon's second trial for death of james uh, james began on march 23rd 1964 a jury selection got underway that day the public was initially barred from the proceedings the restriction was soon loosened to journalists who were allowed into the courtroom but it was unusually long jury selection process it began at 9 a.m and did not start and did not end until nearly midnight to avoid sequestering the entire jury pool overnight and forcing the court into another day okay uh the jury of all men were immediately or selected and immediately sequestered but days later a mistrial was declared after it emerged that a law partner of one of the defense counsel had once retained been retained by one of the jurors oh okay so then a mistrial was declared right her third trial was scheduled for 1964 uh, Jeez. <laughs> yep the jury selection once again took more than 12 hours in one day his testimony in this trial remained contradictory as to whether she believed sharon offered to have james killed or if it was a joke for the first time any at any of her trials sharon took the stand on the last day of this trial to issue a categorical denial of all charges, uh, the all-male jury deadlocked seven to five in favor of acquittal, resulting in a second mistrial. Oh, boy. Okay. So this is her, that's her third trial. <laughs> yep. <laughs> a fourth trial was scheduled for October 4th or October of 1964. However, in September, Sharon, still free on her $25,000 bond, traveled to Mexico with an alleged lover, Ooh. Francis Samuel Puglis. 
Look out, Francis. <laughs> What's up, Francis? Um, she left her children with James's father and traveling to as Francis's wife under the name Jeanette Puglis. The couple later said that they had gone to Mexico to get married. Under the legal terms of her bail, Sharon was permitted to leave the country, but her contract with the company that posted her bond prohibited her from leaving Missouri without permission from the company's agents. Okay, so legally, she's okay to go somewhere else, but the bond agent who covered it is like, no, 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 don't because you're our liability now. Right. Okay. So they obviously went without permission. Yep. After crossing the border, Sharon and Francis registered at a local hotel, Hotel Gin, again, as husband and wife. Sharon saying that they felt unsafe in the foreign country bought a, brought a pistol, okay. which meant that the couple now possessed multiple guns, having brought one or two with them from the U.S. So they bought another one. Francis better look out. He's going to be dead. There's going to be a two-year-old floating around. <laughs> that just happened to play with the gun and shoot him in the head you think but you think <laughs> on the night of september 18th a night before your birthday Aww. uh sharon left the hotel with francis either to get money because the couple was running low or to get medicine she required um and i think at some point they had separated so i think francis went to get money she went to run some errands gotcha she encountered francisco parades or donas <laughs> or <laughs> or donas or don or dones it's o-r-d-o-n-e-s and i am white um a mexican-born american citizen at a bar and accompanied him back to his room in hotel lavada so she went back she met a dude at a bar and went back to his hotel room this girl she's a she's a class fucking act that's for sure Listen, you don't have to throw your cat at everyone, Sharon. Listen here, you, you bitch. bitch. <laughs> According to Sharon's account, because Sharon. she's the only one alive. Dun, dun, dun. Um, she went in with Francisco. So not Francis, Francisco. Francisco. The new okay. dude. To see photographs he offered to show her. Hey, you want to come back to my hotel and look at photographs? <laughs> That's like in like, uh, I don't know what era it would be, but it used to be like, do you want to look at my tin types? And that's how that was like literally a known thing for getting chicks back into your room in the olden days. Like, really? Yeah. Like that was a legit like, I have have some tin types I can show you. And then it's like, oh, so you want to fuck? Cool. (laughs) Like, you know what? I'm down. (laughs) Interesting. All right. Yeah. Okay. So. Anyway, they went back to his hotel room to look at pictures and he, but he soon began to make sexual advances toward her and she was forced to fire her gun at him in an attempt to protect herself. Okay. She maintained later that she had no intention of harming or killing Francisco and it intended only to frighten him, but her bullet struck him in the chest and killed him. Responding to the sound of gunfire, hotel employees entered the room and then Sharon again fired and hit the hotel employee in the shoulder wounding him who he fled and then called the police police who did not believe sharon's story theorized that she had gone out that evening intending to rob francisco as her victim and had chosen francisco as her victim there 
When he resisted her orders to give her his money, police believe Sharon shot him. Police responding to the hotel arrested Sharon on charges of homicide and assault with a deadly weapon. She maintained that she had not intended to harm him and that she had fired her weapon at the hotel employee because she feared that he too was coming to attack her. Police searched her purse, finding a gun and 50 cartridges. And then the couple's room at the hotel gym where they found two more guns and another supply of cartridges. So they were like okay. fucking loaded with. They're ready. Like what was their, it, that's more than what I would assume would be a protective amount. Right. Like, I can understand if you're going somewhere and you're like, okay, this is a questionable area. We're going to just be a little bit ready right. and have a couple, you know, round, like clips worth of bullets, but that's just a lot of stuff. Right. So, okay. All right. Authorities then took Francis into custody at the hotel that they were staying at, initially holding him without charges. And then they later filed charges of entering the country illegally and carrying an unlicensed gun. The gun Francis found. This is like, I, I didn't go look at pictures. Yeah. <laughs> Why am I getting arrested? Uh, the gun found in the couple's room that night was later proven through ballistics to be the same gun that killed Patricia Jones in 1960. But because Sharon had already been acquitted of that crime, she could not be charged again for it based on the new evidence. Um, Francis was held at the police station in Mexico City while Sharon was initially placed in a woman's prison before being transferred to for her trial. Okay. The couple were arraigned on September 26th and held for trial. Both Sharon and Francis were tried in the summer of 1965. He was cleared of the charges against him and deported back to the U.S. Okay. But Sharon was convicted on October 18th of the homicide of Francisco, despite rumors that she would receive probation and be deported like Francis. Sharon was instead sentenced to a 10-year prison term for the murder. When she was officially notified of the sentence the next day, She stated she would appeal, but the appeal, rather than overturning her sentence, lengthened it because they reviewed it and decided that she wasn't given a strong enough sentence. Like, actually, 10 years isn't enough for this murder. Yes. (laughs) So they added three more years to her sentence. So she was returned to the women's prison to serve her sentence, and there she was nicknamed La Pistolera, which is aka the gunfighter. Which was adopted by the Mexican press as her name. Gotcha. This is where it gets weird. You said that earlier. Just, it's on December 7th, 1969, Sharon was not present for her routine routine 5 p.m. roll call at the prison. She escaped. Where she was serving her sentence. Her absence (laughs) was not officially noted until she also failed to show up at the second roll call later that evening. They reported the news of her escape uh, at two o'clock the following morning. A manhunt was arranged and focused on northern Mexican states due to the authorities' belief that Sharon may have been heading basically the back U.S. To yeah. The US. However, um, an inmate she had grown close with while they were in prison stated that Sharon had become very fluent in her years in prison in Spanish, and that. She really didn't have to go to the U.S. She could survive. She's like, I go anywhere. uh, Here's the thing, though. I can speak Spanish now, so. Right. 
Um, they included the FBI in the search, so they encompassed countrywide transport hubs and eventually circled back to Mexico City area. U.S. authorities, including the FBI, were also alerted. They kind of checked border towns and things like that, but they could not find anything. Uh, initial police speculation was that Sharon had bribed guards to look the other way while she escaped the prison. An unusual blackout had been reported at the prison on the evening of her escape and at the approximate time of her escape. They showed that a door that should have been locked had been left unsecured. <laughs> Sounds like she was uh, in cahoots with a couple people. Uh, further questioning of prison guards and administration showed that uh, oversight at the prison was generally lax and that it was staffed by fewer guards than it should have been because it was full of women. Right. They're like, they're fine. Mm-hmm. We can take care of them easy. So there were multiple news reports and theories about Sharon's escape, including that she had bribed prison guards, that she may have enlisted the help of supposed boyfriend who was a Mexico City policeman, that her mother had been involved in the escape plan, that a former Mexican Secret Service agent had assisted in the escape, and that Sharon may have disguised herself as a man to assist her escape. Uh, they also believe that um, Francisco's family had helped her escape and then killed her oh well that's a little the the man she like murdered yeah they believe that they the other uh was that she they had helped her escape and then they were like Haha, and then they you die and then they moited her they um, wanted to do their own kind of justice however by december 18th the mexican secret service and the mexico city district attorney's office were both reporting that they were no longer involved in searching for her they were like this is we're done this is using a lot of resources and we have no information. So we out. So by the end of December of 1969, they had kind of run out of investigation leads to pursue her and we're like, right. She's gone. She gone. <laughs> More than 50 years after her escape, Sharon kind remains at large. Her whereabouts and ultimate fate are unknown. They don't say they, they never found her. They never she's found just, her. She just disappeared. She's just gone. She's gone to the wind. Yep. I mean, she's probably dead now, but they wild. (laughs) Yeah. So they actually kept her fourth trial for the murder of James. Like they set it for October of 1964, even though she had gone missing. Uh Um, They even her, her attorneys that she had even said, like, we're putting in um, requests to have it moved from independent so that they, she could have a jury pool that wasn't affected by the case. Right. And they did move it. However, when Sharon failed to appear for the fourth trial, they issued a warrant for her arrest in the United States. Uh, um, it is still outstanding to this day. <laughs> later making it, it is the oldest outstanding murder warrant known to exist in the Kansas City area. Her status in the Mexican system also remains outstanding. And the other thing to point out is that at the time of her escape, jailbreak was not a crime under Mexican law. So if she were recaptured there, she would only have to serve out the remainder of her outstanding. Right. They'd, they'd capture her, put her back in, be like, now don't do that again. <laughs> naughty, naughty. Oh, that's wild. I was like, wait, they never fucking found her? Nope. Never found her. Mm-mm. Wow. Well, what a, what a wild child. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's what I said. I'm like, it's a wild ride, man. <laughs> Dude. It's also a wild ride, but in a very different way. Oh. 
All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you sure? I'm sure. It's a little little fucking wild. All right. 100% sure. So I didn't really know what to title this. So I'm going to kind of just say it's the story and then what happens after Jolene Cummings' disappearance and murder. Cummings. So. That's a name. Well, she got killed, so. I'm just saying that's a weird name. It's a name. It's a name. It's a name. (laughs) So a 50-year-old woman named Jennifer Seibert moved to uh, Fernandina (laughs) Beach, Florida. Okay. I was like, I always. That's also a name. Yeah. I keep missing an N when I say it out loud because I want to say like Fernandia and it's Dina at the end. So I don't know. Fernandina. Yeah. Anyway, so she moves to Florida in 2018, looking for a fresh start, basically was her reasoning for move, right? She got a job at a hair salon named Tangles. And isn't that funny? (laughs) Nice name. That's also Um, a name. (laughs) It's just full of fucking names in here, huh? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And this was her fifth job in six months. And uh, so obviously not a great track record of jobs. Right. Uh, she also seemed to be one of those people that always thought people were like out to get her. Uh, maybe why she ended up leaving jobs. Like maybe she would get annoyed with people and think that they're don't like her or whatever. And then would leave. Okay. I don't know. All speculation to me, why she switched jobs so much at tangles. Jennifer had a coworker and her coworker thought that Jennifer was a bit weird her coworker's name was Jolene Cummings, who was 34 years old. Well, okay. 33 at the beginning of the story. Uh, Jolene had told her friends that her co that Jennifer gave her the creeps and that something was up with her and she wanted more information about her background because she's like, something just weird. It's something hits me weird about this girl. Mm-hmm. Um, she always thought that Jennifer was very elusive about her background. And whenever she would be asked questions about her past, she would kind of just like change the subject or do like a circle back kind of conversational response. Um, so on May 11th, 2018, there was a bit of a confrontation between the two women. Jolene caught Jennifer listening in on a conversation she was having, having with another one of their coworkers. And so Jolene and this other coworker she was talking to went outside to just like get away from Jennifer listening in on them. Right. And so then Jennifer followed them out. And at this point, Jolene kind of like lost her cool because I, it's from what I can tell, it's kind of been a running theme that she kept trying to hear what everybody else was saying, trying to whatever. And so Jolene turns around and it's just like, you're a fake. Your stories don't make sense. I think you're fucking crazy. You need to just leave me alone and stop. Cause she, for whatever reason, it seems like Jennifer and I'm assuming it's because Jolene was seeing through her bullshit. Okay. Um, but Jennifer kind of focused on Jolene for thinking that she was out to get her. But I think it's just cause Jolene would be like, you don't, it doesn't make sense and would call her out. Right. Um, Jennifer didn't really respond at that time and just kind of left. So then it was like, okay, well maybe I, made a point basically is what Jolene thought 
the next day, Jolene asked Jennifer for help with a couple of her clients. Um, she had some questions, but every time Jolene would ask, because, you know, it's normal. If there's something you're like, okay, I don't know how to go about this with this head. Maybe I'll ask one of the people working with me. Right. And it was just the two of them working from what I could tell. So she had asked her a couple questions. And every time that Jolene would go to Jennifer, she would like act like she was on her phone or confused about what her question was. So by the end of the day, Jolene was just fucking annoyed because she's like, I'm just asking you questions about work. It's not like I'm trying to befriend you or uh, be all nice. Yeah. So Jolene, but from all accounts from the like customers and the clients that were there that day, Jolene still acted very friendly, didn't even realize that this kind of weird thing was happening behind okay. the scenes. So it, everything seemed okay, according to the customers, but Jolene was pissed, but also just wanted to get through the day because she had the next day off. It was Mother's Day and Jolene's birthday, her 34th birthday. Hence, she started 33. Okay. Um, so she's like, I have the next day off, whatever. I'm just going to get through the day. It's fine. Just do it. Um, she was planning for her birthday the next day to uh, pick up her three small children from her ex-husband and spend the day with them. And so Jolene left for work from work the night before and okay. was never seen again. So she had all these plans the next day. So everybody was like, okay, weird. On the 13th at 1 p.m., well, around 1 p.m., which is the next day, um, her ex-husband is sitting there waiting at their meeting spot to mm -hmm. exchange the kids. And he sat there for like an hour. And finally, he was just like, okay, well, clearly this Something isn't going to happen because she wasn't yeah. answering her phone, wasn't responding to text messages. And it just really wasn't like her. And it's such a like important day that he's like, mm. uh, this is weird. So he went home with the kids and then went to like, obviously to like a different room so they couldn't hear mm -hmm. and called Jolene's mom, Anne, and was like, hey, Jolene never showed up. Have you heard from her? you know, being they usually did something for her birthday in the morning. Right. Um, and Anne had actually already reported her missing because I'm assuming she never showed up or responded to her trying to get a hold of her for her birthday. Oh. So Jolene has been reported missing by her mother now. Uh, the police went to Tangles right away because mm -hmm. that was the last place she was seen. And they asked to speak to Jennifer Seibert since she was the only other person that was working at the time and the last person to see her and as they were there Jennifer actually was pulling into the parking lot and was about to park her car pulled into the spot and then her co-worker texted her and said hey come on in the police are here they want to talk to you um something's up with Jolene basically okay. and instead of coming in Jennifer backed out and left so like they watched that happen mm. oh, okay well, that's she, not suspicious or weird. That's suspicious. <laughs> so she did call the police, though, right after she had left and said, hey, I have a stalker. This person will be able to find me if you enter my name into any of the databases that you have. So I would rather not talk to you like on mm -hmm. record. record. 
um, which maybe also is the reason she had moved around so much. Maybe it was that mm-hmm. she had this stalker and they would figure out where she was and then she'd take off. Okay. So uh, with this, she instantly became a person of uh, interest, we'll say. Well, yeah. Because they're like, this is weird because why would you be put in a database for just talking to me right now mm-hmm. when we're trying to, it's, it's not anything more than a person who went missing. Hey, tell me what you know. Did you guys did right. you see where she went? Um, so they took the information from the salon that she had given when she applied to it and all of her information was fake. The address was bogus. Which her, I mean, makes sense if you changed your, and you don't want to stalk her. Right. So her references, but her references were bogus, her history, everything fake. There was no track record of this woman at all. So again, like you said, in theory, it could be that she's just trying to keep, stay off the grid so that she doesn't get found. Right. Uh, So they went looking for her and managed to find her in her black Kia soul. I don't know why you say it like that. I don't know. I know nobody who drives a black Kia Soul. Um, But they found her sleeping at a rest area in her car. And her face was bandaged up. Her hands were bandaged up. And her reasoning for all of that was that she had hit a, ran into a tree. This, it's just you. No, (laughs) ran into a tree while bicycling. Is this, is this fucking play about me? (laughs) Um, but so she says, I'm all scratched up because I just ran into a tree when I was biking. I miss misread where the branch landed, whatever. If it would have been me, it would have been a parked car. Right. Exactly. Something that was very obviously there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I've done that before twice. Um, but when they looked at her car, when they picked her up, she clearly had been living in it too. Like she had all of her accoutrement for living okay. there. So it's not even like she gave a fake address and she doesn't have an address. Okay. Uh, while all this is going on, Jolene's SUV is found at in a Home Depot parking lot in the like local one. And they discovered a surveillance video of it being brought into the parking lot at about 1.17 a.m. the morning of the 13th. So the day she was supposed to pick up her girls that night after she left work okay um and so it came in it parked and then jennifer got out of the suv with no jolene okay okay so then on may 16th so three days later jennifer was arrested for theft of the car at least they were like right okay this way we can at least keep her and give us us a little time to figure out what's going on okay Uh, So she was taken to St. John's County Jail at that point. Once she had been in custody, they started discovering some even more wild things about this Jennifer woman. Mm. I buckle up, kids. It gets fucking weird. Okay. All right. They got the social security number that matched the name. And when they ran it through their database, they found that Jennifer Seibert was dead. Hmm. he had died in 1987 so not even recently like 30 years before that in a car accident and was buried in pennsylvania okay so this is not even who she is yeah no so they're like (laughs) i wrote so who's this bitch you know (laughs) who the fuck are you (laughs) Uh, so they ran her fingerprints they're like okay so we'll see if you're in a database at least Mm -hmm. 
ran her fingerprints, and they discovered that her name was Kimberly Kessler. Okay. Uh, Kimberly Who's this Kess- bitch? Right. Kimberly Kessler had disappeared July 4th, 2004. So um, 14 years before that. Mm-hmm. Uh, under suspicious circumstances. And now I kind of go into like, who Kimberly Kessler is and her background. And then I'll explain what the suspicious circumstances were. Okay. Uh, She wasn't reported for eight years to be missing. Mm. So, but that also, but that's also because basically they're like, she's an adult woman. She can leave. And there wasn't necessarily like with the story that comes with it. It's like, okay, maybe she wanted to leave. Um, Anyway, she was 35 at the time of her disappearance, and sometimes she would go by the alias of Pamela Clubber. This woman loves fucking aliases. Yeah, loves them. all the names. Basically, there was a missing report, uh, and the family didn't know where she was, but it kind of fell by the wayside because it seemed like it was just she just wanted to disappear. Okay. So they didn't investigate it too crazy much. Kimberly did have a sordid past, which maybe explains why she took off. Uh, She was born in Butler County, Pennsylvania Mm -hmm. in 1968. Uh, She was the oldest and had a relatively normal childhood up until she hit like puberty, early teens time. And Mm -hmm. all of her classmates said that she basically just went from one nice, quiet, calm person to like super aggressive and mean and just a huge bully to everybody. Everybody was afraid of her violent temper. Uh, One story said that her and her brother, Bob, got into an argument, right? And he went to bed. And at that point, she crept into his room and hit him in the face with a baseball bat. Jesus Christ, dude. and, And like knocked out his teeth like what the fuck that's relax relax come on now you have to do it when they're like aware yeah fight, at, least, man. at least like be fair about it yeah uh so tim barnes was a person who dated kessler right after high school and he had a few stories himself he said that she had killed his cat with mm. the shotgun that she had stabbed him in the chest and that she assaulted his father when he was over and they got into some sort of an altercation mm-hmm. um in 1987 which is when that her former jennifer name that's when that woman actually passed away kessler's brother bob had gotten into a like terrible motorcycle accident and he survived but his friend died um and It is believed that someone may have ran them off the road the way that it all happened, but he didn't remember what actually happened because he had a head injury. Okay. Um, But the way that they veered off, it looked like someone there was a reason. Yes, exactly. Um, So everybody assumes that it was Kimberly Kessler, right? Okay. Uh, This is when she started going by different names. Right around this time is where she started having the aliases Mm -hmm. uh (laughs) so there's a story about an ex-boyfriend who said that they went to go to her father's grave to like pay respects and whatever and instead of going there she just started walking around and commenting on women's names that were about her age like had been born around the same time as her 
and assumedly to use because she did use some of those names in her um hence Jessica or not Jessica hello Jennifer Mm -hmm. um but yeah so that's weird Kessler married a man named Zylon Locked okay Zylon I every time I read it I was like "Mm." two times in the 90s they got married divorced and then remarried okay at the time she was living under the alias of Melissa McKernan Again, she just names everywhere. Why are there so many names? How do you keep them track? Keep track right? of all your names. Uh, Zylon said that their relationship was "quote unquote" crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but that's the only thing that I could tell by details that he okay. gave. Uh, then, in 1996, Tim Edwards was with Kessler, and they had a baby. Okay. Um, he knew her knew her as Miranda McKernan. But when she signed the birth certificate, she signed it Christina Brooks. <laughs> Again, she's not even keep a track of her names now. Right? So when he asked, like, why she was using a separate name, whatever, she basically said that she was trying to stay hidden from her abusive family. But when her family was asking her about all her aliases, she said that she was trying to get away from an abusive boyfriend. Okay. Uh, so she's trying to find reasons for people to not ask questions. Right. Uh, her son was taken by social services. I couldn't find why. Uh, Maybe because she keeps pretending to be fucking people. So that happened in 1999. And when that happened, she went to the social service office with a handgun to try to get him back. You know how well that probably went. It's not how it (laughs) works, ma'am. And uh, then she left. And that's when she disappeared. So that was the suspicious circumstances of her disappearance. So it she was went like, to social services with a handgun and then was like, well, I'm not going to get my kid back. So I'm just going to bounce. Yeah. So she officially, like I said, she officially didn't get like reported as missing until like 2007. But it was said that she at least disappeared in 2004 because she had had random like contact but it wasn't yeah it's just just weird things it's a weird timeline because I I had a hard time figuring out exactly other than this being like the last time anybody that she knew physically saw her Mm -hmm. as to why they weren't reporting her missing or they weren't going after her I don't know it was weird it's but between 2004 when they officially like made said she was missing in 2018 kessler was driving around the country job hopping and just using aliases she was just kind of floating about and this is where you're like do jobs certain jobs really even check your background not really no 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 do they look into your references nah no most gas stations no right small town bars exactly well and she she had jobs from like waitressing obviously to like stripping and mm-hmm. she did all sorts of things and stripping she, you don't even have to have a name right fucking boner garage go in there <laughs> boner garage uh, boner garage loves it <laughs> boner garage loves it <laughs> so she eventually got her cosmetology license under a fake name in florida Uh, She was becoming more and more erratic and chaotic. So from what they could track for her timeline, um, she lived in 
floor. Pause. We got to pause for a second. Are you stuck on Boner Garage? <laughs> I'm just reliving that scene in my head where he's like, we got to compete with those fucking assholes that opened up across the street. So I'm the Apple Store? Fucking the customers for money. The Apple Store? <laughs> I'm not going to fuck the customers for money. Why not? Boner Garage loves it. <laughs> Boner Garage. You got to fuck the customers for money now. Did you hear we get to fuck the customers for money? <laughs> sorry, uh, I'm sorry. No, I that's just, fine. It. I was in that scene and I couldn't I get not, out of it. You're like, I'm not hearing anything I'm you're not. saying. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta compete with those assholes across the street. The Apple Store? <laughs> um, so, at this point, She's becoming very erratic and chaotic. Okay. Uh, there's a story that she lived in Florida. Okay. Got her license, whatever. And she started talking to a man from Texas on Facebook. Hmm. And one day she drove from Florida to Texas to just have lunch with him. Jesus, Mary and Joseph, that's a long drive for lunch. Uh-huh. And then at lunch, she asked him to marry her. He obviously declined. And yeah, then after, said, bitch, you cray. Right. And then after they parted ways, he blocked her <laughs> and was like, this is fucking weird. You're fucking weird. But later when the investigation was happening, he was told that she was following him from seven different fake Facebook accounts so that she could keep track of him. So that's creepy. I don't like that. Um, so that's one of her, the stories of like how she was kind of getting chaotic and weird and kind of seems like escalating from just her getting mad and at an argument type of situation she has going on mm-hmm. uh so kessler was married again uh but i couldn't find the name of this guy i don't know clearly if, not important right but they got into a fight and she stabbed this husband with scissors sure. it's, it was really weird because i found like a clip of him getting interviewed but it didn't say his name underneath so i don't know if he just chooses to stay anonymous or mm-hmm. what um, I'm sure if I dug even deeper, I'd be able to find it. But at Not the same time, point. it didn't last very long. And she stabbed him with scissors. Poor guy. Just leave him alone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. So in 2009, so five years into her not unknown ways, right? So in 2009, Kessler rented a room from a man in Clearwater, Florida, under an alias, obviously. Um, she claimed that she that he went to her room and urinated on her bed before he evicted her. There was no evidence of this, but this was her claim after he evicted her. And it's like wrongful eviction. I didn't do anything. And mm-hmm. he did this. Jenny peed on my bed. Yeah. It's like, what? <laughs> and then in 2014, she went to the beauty Academy that she got her cosmetology license at. Okay. And her instructor there said that she was would obsessively write notes she had like little notebooks that she was writing in the entire time they were doing like anything and once she climbed into a cabinet and when she was asked why she did that she said just to see if I could fit (laughs) uh also she asked one of the other girls if she could have a piece of her sunburnt peeling skin ew so that's gross. This prompted the instructor to look at her background a little deeper to see if she needed to like get her out of the program because of criminal whatever. Yeah. And 
she didn't see anything because she couldn't figure out the name and whatever mm-hmm. whatever came of it she got her little license right yeah um so because when she looked her name up it wasn't a name really so she wasn't in a system and she's like okay maybe she's just fucking weird i don't know um <laughs> by <laughs> 2018 kimberly kessler had lived in 14 states 33 cities and had assumed 17 different aliases that okay. just, it's just it's so lot. much it's it a lot <laughs> now back to jolene's case so we're here Uh, During Kessler's first questioning about this, she got very agitated with the police uh, when they asked her, well, what name do you prefer us to call you by? Mm -hmm. Because there's so many. Right. And her comment to them was, fingerprints don't lie. My name is Kimberly Kessler. Kim. So, you know. All right. Um, They asked her about what she knew, asked her what she knew about Jolene's disappearance And she claims she knows nothing about her disappearance, but also managed to squeeze in that the Child Protective Services had been called on her before and that once she saw a little bag of meth in her bag, which no proof of any of that, by the way. Um, So the detective tells her uh, all the evidence that they've gathered that shows that she has questionable, uh, Mm -hmm. that she's most likely the person that's their prime suspect. Right. Uh, then that it wasn't necessarily a she decided to disappear that it was under questionable circumstances Uh, Kessler responds so let me reply this way and you may not like the answer I would like legal counsel Mm. and that's other than her she has some major outbursts but like other than that that's pretty much all she says Uh, May 22nd 10 days after Jolene's disappearance there was a press conference and sheriff phil leeper uh announced that the investigators had reason to believe that jolene was no longer alive so i think they had found this other evidence that i'll go through before this and just weren't ready to like announce it but they have reason to believe she's no longer alive and they named kessler as their prime suspect and said that she was in custody And they were beginning the search for Jolene's body, basically. Uh, Kessler was staying quiet. uh, And the police found loads of circumstantial evidence to point at her. Uh, And it also looked like the murder had been planned for like weeks. Like she was planning it the entire time she basically was working there. Ew. Uh, Multiple weeks before Kessler had before this Kessler had taken a picture of Jolene's appointment planner workbook um then Kessler had searched co-worker guilty of killing co-worker missing person body not found and no body no crime on her cell phone uh. this was 12 days before Jolene actually went missing so it was almost two weeks before she actually went missing that she started doing all this like prep work that's weird uh there were many more wild searches like thousands of searches they said in those 12 days things about like florida female murderers um things about jolene and meth and plastination do you know what that is Mm -mm. it's basically not like embalming but it's a way of preserving human uh muscle 
So when you rearticulate muscles together, like in the museum, when they have those like dried mm-hmm. out ones, it's basically that. Ew. Um, so that's weird. And on May 5th, there was a call to the police about Kessler. She had went to a store and got heavy duty zip ties and they had a little conversation while she was like checking them out. Right. And I'm assuming there was some like maybe joke made about, mm-hmm. well, why do you need heavy duty zip ties? Don't, ha, don't ha, be ha. kidnapping anyone. Right. Ah, ha, ha. And she like creeped the cashier out so much with the way she smiled at them that they called the police to tell them about it. Oh, that's creepy. <laughs> yeah. She's it, it literally said she like gave them a what something smirk at like one of the articles I read and it scared this cashier enough to call the authorities. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine her not having done anything and she was just like using it to like zip tie cables right. or something and, and, and she was just trying to be flirty and goofy and like made the smile like <laughs> <laughs> like dude this girl's fucking weird <laughs> sorry i tried so hard to be normal i went over <laughs> right uh <laughs> so remember the the footage of jolene's suv going into the home depot parking lot right yes there was another surveillance video from that night only a little bit after that at a gas station that was relatively close to the Home Depot Mm -hmm. and Jolene was spotted on it and she was trying to call a taxi. She had told the people at the gas station she needed to call a taxi to go back to the salon because she had some more cleaning up to do and this is like 1 30 in the morning. You said Jolene was spotted. Not Jolene sorry Kessler. Kessler okay. Kessler. Um, she was noted to have fresh scratches on her face that they could see. Oh, and she, like I said, she returned to the salon and that's what she had told them that she needed to do some more cleaning. Uh, and they're like, okay, whatever, dude. (laughs) And that same early morning, she was seen on video at Walmart buying trash bags, gloves, ammonia, and an electric knife. Ew. Yeah. Then, even further on the timeline that evening, she was caught on video trying trying and succeeding, obviously, moving two heavy white garbage bags into dumpsters near the salon. So they don't know what was in it, obviously, but... Deaf a body. Yeah. Parts of a body. Yes. Yeah. Also, at the salon, they found blood in the reception area on the sinks, chairs, walls, cabinets... And when they used luminol, it revealed that there was blood on the mop and in the strokes of the mop on the floor of the salon. Yeah. So they could see the little streaks from the mop. Yeah. Gross. And then there was also a tote found that was thrown out in like a little like open area by the salon Mm -hmm. that matched ones that were in um, Kessler's storage unit. and. There was a mix of both women's blood uh, matched to spots on her boots and socks and on scissors. Why scissors? So I don't know. I I don't know why that bothers me so much as a murder weapon, but I don't like it. So, I mean, it's kind of ironic at a a hair salon, but (laughs) that's not not why it bothers me. When they searched kessler's car and storage unit 
They found five license plates, three different cell phones, and multiple wigs and ponytail extensions, which I'm like, wigs and ponytail extensions, if she's doing cosmetology, it could have just been things that she practiced on, mm-hmm. practiced on, whatever. But still, all of it together kind of leads to like all the aliases. Cause they said right. that every time she changed changed her name to a different alias, she would straight up change her entire style. Like That's a totally a different person. Yeah. Especially when you think 17 over the like yeah. 10 years or whatever. Oof. Oof. It's a lot <laughs> of work. So Kessler had uh, looked up how to dismember a body on the day that they got into like. I don't understand why people look that up. I, you know, like it's, it's to me, it, I, I, this is going to sound terrible, but it sounds like it's common sense. You start at the fleshy joints. And well, work and your way. Not only that, this is in 2018. Like you know? What do you think they're going to be able to see that you looked that up? You stupid ass. It's just a weird thing. Like for me, any, I, this sounds terrible, no matter how I say it, but why, how do you dismember anything? You cut it up. Just where are the weakest points in the body? That's where you start. I don't know. I don't know why I need to Google. I just, in general, it's dumb. You're dumb. Stupid uh, thing to Google. <laughs> right. So on the day that she went just dis- like missing is she looked that up. And then there were 357 searches for Jolene's name over the 48 hours that followed before they found her in her soul. Kessler was looking up Jolene's like the information that they had on Jolene missing. Oh, trying to see mm-hmm. like, got it. Follow the case. So she 357 times. Just like obsessively got in it. Two days. That's a lot. That's a lot. Uh, as I had said, she had scratches on her face and her hands. And on further examination, she also had injuries on her legs and her chest. So, so Jolene fucking fought mm-hmm. because she was missing a chunk of hair and had a like severe bite mark on her thumb. Nice. Um, Way to so, go, Jolene. Right? That's what I'm saying. So in July of 2018, so this is like a couple months later. I hope if I'm ever murdered, that's how I go out. Right, like you know they're I mean? like, like, I'm gonna leave. Clearly. <laughs> I'm gonna leave my mark on you. If you're gonna take me out, you're gonna mm-hmm. feel it. You know, you're gonna feel it, and you're gonna be like all up in my fingernails. They're not gonna get mm-hmm. rid of it. Uh, but July 2018, the Cheshire Island landfill was searched for Jolene's body, but they found nothing. So after they found out where she was dumped and they were able to track where it should have been dropped in the landfill because they have like those grid systems, you know, they didn't mm-hmm. find anything, but it had already been two months too. So it could have been too deep for them to be able to find anything. Um, while in custody, Kessler called her mom, which she hadn't spoken to in 14 years, by the way. Pause. I don't understand why if it's a missing persons report, why they didn't look at the security cameras around the building a lot faster because then they would have seen her dumping the garbage can or the so i think what it was is that it was a separate stores bin like not right next to them like elsewhere right but normally you like look at the security footage all the security footage you can get right the the area they were last seen to see if you can find out where they fucking went I was going to say, and they may have because she was arrested on the stuff like 10 days later. So they may have gotten it within that two weeks of like figuring everything out and following what they had. Mm. But 
no, she was arrested like three days later after they found the footage of the SUV. And so no, I don't it know. It seems it, like the dumpsters around the store would have been a good place to start looking. But again, right. that's right. I don't know. I think they had to do their due course of figuring out if it was questionable like circumstances or if she had just decided to leave because she's yeah. an adult. So I suppose she can't they can't just assume that she mm-hmm. disappeared unless there was like someone who saw that someone like grabbed her and yeah. yanked her away because as of far as they knew until the SUV was found I feel like being allowed to disappear should not be legal right because it wastes so much resources and money when you just disappear without letting anyone know right without like just like even, even just sending like a having thing to notify like, the police right like you don't have and to tell your family you don't have to mm-hmm. tell your friends but you do, if you're going to just disappear without letting anyone that knows you know, you need to at least notify the cops. because Right, to be like, hey, just so you know, I'm moving and I'm not talking to my family about it. But if they come to you saying I disappeared, I'm choosing to go. I know. I feel like that needs to be like a thing because I've been researching a lot of disappearances and missing person cases. And there's so much money on looking for these people. And then they're they're always like, well, maybe they just chose to disappear. And it's like, you fucking asshole. I spent right. years looking for you. If right. I had known you were alive and just decided to be a fuck face, I wouldn't have spent the money. Right. I wouldn't have spent the time on this. Yeah. Sorry. Anyway. Sorry. Oh, no, that's fine. So Kessler called her mom from jail. Like I said, who she hadn't spoken to in 14 years since the last time that, since they basically called her missing right um and told her she needed her to post her bail and her mom was just like is everything I'm seeing true like is this all actually happening and Kessler acted like the line cut out at that point and then said oh well we ran out of time and hung up then she called her mom back again another time and asked her to go get the things out of her storage unit (laughs) honey they already looked. <laughs> Kessler blamed the Illuminati for the ex- extensive media coverage of this case, not how fucking weird it was. No. Um, and soon into her incarceration, Kessler asked to be moved into a different jail. And the authorities were like, you have no reason to be moved to a different jail. Mm-hmm. Like, we're literally just holding you until we figure out the court stuff. And so she went on a hunger strike. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> God, I think that she wanted to like be moved as much as possible so that she could find a time to escape and see mm-hmm. like what they're whatever anyway so she went on a hunger strike and a week later they agreed to move her but within love- days of being at the new place she wanted to be moved again and they basically were like no because she's like I want to go to a psychiatric fit uh treatment facility it's like you don't just get to decide that that's what Mm -hmm. we're trying to figure out and uh so that she got it was refused so she went on another hunger strike I just love the the thought of hunger strikes because you're go ahead and starve yourself you're not affecting me any (laughs) right but so this one lasted for 56 days okay um she went from like 196 pounds to 74 pounds okay so yuck 
um, like, ouch, that can't be okay. Anyway, so Kessler was indicted on first degree murder officially on seven on September 7th of 2018, but because of her crazy antics and outbursts in court, she didn't actually get to have a trial until November of 2021. Jesus. Yeah, because she kept like freaking out in court, so then they'd have to delay it and delay mm-hmm. it and delay it. I she was trying to, I think she was trying to get a unfit for court yeah. order. Um, part of this, part part of what was being figured out was her competency, obviously, because she's clearly like starving herself and whatever, mm-hmm. and mental stability. Um, it was it was complicated because of the behavior. So they couldn't just decide. Mm-hmm. Uh, with was the behavior because she was unaware of what was going on and what was right and wrong and yada, 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 confused. The fact that she dismembered the body and got Mm -hmm. rid of it tells me, you know, right. It was wrong. Right. Or if you're ever wanting, okay, I can't, I need to stop phrasing things like this, but if you're wanting to get away with a murder as a, I'm crazy, you can't find the body. Well, and if you're showing planning, you can't get away with it being mm-hmm. being if insanity. it's premeditated one and two you can't do anything to hide the body or hide your crime she would have to walk around right. literally covered in blood and scratches and act like she was normal well and i think a lot of people that try to try to plead insanity when it's not necessarily insanity don't understand that the difference between in court insanity is legitimately not understanding that what was happening, how it was wrong, what you did, Mm -hmm. you know, the consequences of your actions, like genuinely not understanding that Mm -hmm. and not just acting erratic. That's not considered, yeah, insane in a courtroom's eyes. You're crazy if you killed someone, no matter what. Right, you're clearly not right. They're trying to determine, did you know what you were doing was right or wrong? Mm -hmm. Exactly. So after many delays, uh, and competency hearings because they would bring her in there's so many like videos of her there's one where she was like strapped into a wheelchair just <laughs> screaming because she just acted cr- and she's so skinny at that point too that it's like girl just come on um she was deemed competent obviously and the judge said that she wasn't delusional she was manipulative and a psychopath mm-hmm. uh and that her behavior was intentional because she just wanted to um while she's also the kind of thing where do you only act like this in court and then when they bring you back to your jail cell or to wherever no she was pretty well like always trying to be chaotic and crazy okay but the fact that she led such a like it wasn't normal but she was able to change yeah to all these different people you're right it's you you can choose when you're acting that way then because Mm -hmm. While she was in jail, she was just terrible. Uh, the guards at the county jail where she was kept had cake and ice cream when she was transported to the women's reception center for the trial. <laughs> um, while she was at the women's reception center, she would throw feces, cover herself and her cell in feces, Ew. totally naked and verbally assault staff with like sexual explicit comments and yeah. She was not a joy to have around at all. Uh, In November of 2021, so just this last November, 
the pre-trial started and she was removed for her outbursts, even though, even being brought in strapped into a wheelchair at this time. So this is the one where she had to be like strapped down because mm-hmm. she was just like, because she would like swing at people and do stuff that you're so small, you're going to break yourself. Um, but she was shouting about her public defender being related to Jolene. So they were conspiring against her, which wasn't true. Mm-hmm. Remember, the prosecution had no weapon, no body, and no confession. Mm-hmm. But they had piles of circumstantial evidence that right. pretty well proved it. And even with Kessler, even with all of that and the lack of everything, Kessler was found guilty on first degree murder in December of 2021, uh, sentenced to mandatory life in prison, which means she has to fill at least that like 35, depending on state, Mm -hmm. year sentence, which with her behavior, I'm guessing she's not going to get out early or she's going to get added onto it for assaulting people or Mm -hmm. if she keeps doing that. And at the press conference that I talked about earlier, the sheriff also had stated that he can't imagine that this would be her first murder or that she wasn't involved with some other missing persons cases with the planning and the callousness that came with it. I know you don't usually dismember and fully clean up a body the first time you murder someone. Fully clean up a body. Like if someone walked in there and didn't didn't know they were looking for it, they wouldn't realize it. Right. So that's the the sheriff's just like that's the end of it. That's all I want to update to like if they find Jolene's body or anything yeah. comes of anything, but because it's so new, that's all the information I have. Oh. Um but if ever you're interested in just seeing a wild child, you go ahead and YouTube search this uh, Kimberly Kessler lady. She's calm down, you freak. She's wild. Freak? I haven't called anyone a freak in a while. <laughs> you you doinker. <laughs> you, you, I've been calling my people a buckethead lately. I don't know why. Buckethead. Knock it off, you buckethead. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I agree with the sheriff because I clearly feel like there was a lot that came into just this one if she hadn't done something similar and she took all these different identities who knows what actually came of those sort of things you know right it's just weird it's just all weird she's fucking weird it's fucking weird man i told you it was a wild ride <laughs> i was like i don't know what to title this at first i had it just kimberly kessler i'm like that kind of gives it away yeah no I'll so, just do the the murder and the disappearance and murder of jolene Cummings. C-U-M-M? Cummings. C-U-M-M-I-N-G-S. Not that it might be. (laughs) But yeah, so she's interesting. So everybody, if ever you want to just like look a little deeper into that, you can see all her outbursts and they have all the like court proceedings are almost in full on the, on YouTube. They have like multiple hour proceedings videos. I'm like, I don't have time to watch all those, but, but I can look at the like breakdown of it and we'll go from there. Anyhow, we have been on here for two hours. Yeah, we have. <laughs> well, <laughs> all right, guys. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. You're the best. Spread the word. Spread yourselves. Yep. Yeah. That's it. Period. That's all. The end. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Nice. Thank you.